Well, um, I was asked to speak a bit about, on, uh, about, um, about a couple of things that I learned 10 years out of school that I wish I knew earlier. And I'm not a Nobel laureate, and so what I say may not be correct. I'm just a software guy, and we just make stuff up sometimes. It's, uh, if you can sell it, then, uh, then uh, that's fine. Um, so I have uh, seven minutes, 57 seconds to share with you. Uh, my uh, 10 secrets for success in life. And so I'm going to go real quick. You're going to get about 48 seconds per secret if I allow for questions. Um, first of all, uh, and th a thing I observed uh, over the last 10 years um, as we grew from essentially a couple of guys in a, in a back room to about 1,200 people spread all over the world and we did business with every type of company. And that first thing was, no matter what you do when you're in college or you're in, when you're in high school, uh, it's so important to learn to speak, write, and think. And, and we, uh, I think, overlook this, or we think it's kind of passe, but there, there is nothing that you sell that is not first articulated in speech and then, and then documented in writing. So, in fact, every time you write a contract or write a proposal, you're really counterfeiting money. Uh, I, I first got this early on in my life. I just wrote a proposal. I was, I think, 24 years old. And I uh, said, I'm going to build this piece of software for the DuPont company. It's on two pieces of paper. And at the bottom, I asked for $250,000. All they did is they read the piece of paper. And if they like it, they give me the money. If they don't like it, they don't. And so uh, at that point, it dawned on me that, that probably the most useful way to create money would be to be able to write an articulate letter. Um, early on, when I'm in school, people said, well, you have to study engineering or you have to know calculus. But the truth of the matter is most people with money can't do calculus. What they can do is they can pick up on your spelling mistakes. <laughs> so when you ask for the money, ask for it sort of like you deserve it and, uh, and spell their name right. Um, number nine, don't apply for things in life. You have to market and sell yourself. Uh, when you go to college, you're, you're tricked because the, the way you go to college is you apply maybe to five schools, you get into three, you go to one. But that's really a horrible metaphor for how to get through life because the truth of the matter is in, in business or the rest of life, you, uh, you apply 20 million times a day, you get rejected 19,999,000 times, and if you succeed 1,000 times, you're successful. And so, um, so, so when you're doing things like applying for a job, don't send one resume, right? Don't act like it's an application. You get rejected, you give up. I know people that apply to General Motors, they want to be in the car business, they send one resume, they get rejected, they give up, uh, they, they think they'll never get in. But the truth of the matter is, there are 20,000 managers at General Motors and you can apply once a month, which means over the course of a year, you could apply 240,000 times. And they're not smart enough to actually coordinate with each other and tell each other they rejected you. <laughs> it's not like the admissions department, right? They can't afford to tell each other not to accept you the third time you apply. They're too busy. So the truth of the matter is you just keep getting more applications and uh, the odds of getting rejected once are quite high, but the odds of getting rejected on the 247,000th time, you have to actually be quite a moron, actually, not, <laughs> not to get it that time around. If you, if you thought about life like that, you'd feel actually much better about yourself because you would know that anything you want to get into, you can get into. Right? It's very, very difficult to keep a, a person out if they really want to come in because there's so many routes. Um, a lifetime of success means a lifetime of successful interviews. Rule number seven. 
You interview all the time. You'll interview to get into college. You'll interview to get a job. You'll interview to get a promotion. I'm interviewing with you right now. If you don't like me, you're going to turn off. When we grew the company to 40 people, we interviewed to get that million-dollar contract. At the end of the day, we got a million-dollar contract, which saved our company because four people that we met with thought we were bright young whippersnappers. It's not, like, it's not unlike getting into college. Um, last year, I took the company public. I went through a series of uh, meetings called a roadshow. I met with 80 investors. It was just 80 interviews. It was like fraternity rush. It's like they sat down. They said to me, well, is it a cool company? Are you a Yahoo? Are you a good guy? Are we going to make money? Oh, we, uh, is that funny? Okay, we like you. Here, here's some money. Go. <laughs> right? You know, but I couldn't even do that without interviewing with the investment bankers. So the truth of the matter is you will interview every day of your life, and if you think that just because you're CEO or you run your own business, you don't have to interview, that's wrong. There's never a time in the world where you won't have to interview. I mean, if you're President Clinton, you have to interview. Everybody's got to stand in front of their peers. And so when you do interview, have an interesting story to tell. Uh, make sure you comb your hair, smile. Uh, be somewhat um, uh, charismatic. Uh, rule number six. What you do, do well. Um, a lot of times people get cowed into doing something because they think they have to do it and they do it poorly. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, um, I think I've hired uh, about uh, 1,800 people. And I don't really care what they did. In fact, oftentimes I'll ask them what they do and they'll start talking about something. All I'm listening for is cues. Did they do it well or did they do it with a lot of intensity? So, so uh, the guy that does our software uh, design, he's a religion major and he was an Olympic rower. He's totally unqualified to be in the software business. <laughs> but we don't care because we know that the software business changes so fast that as long as he's good at something, he'll probably be good at something else. So, so just do something uh, with a lot of fervor and, uh, and, and a lot of passion. And if you do it well, you'll do the next thing well and the next thing. And that's a cue to all those interviewers out there that they can trust you and that they can, they can work with you. Five, don't be rolled over by the system. Find a way through. Like, for instance, I have two minutes and three seconds left here, and it's about to shut me down, but I know I have three minutes for questions left. So if I add that together, I have five minutes, and I'm on less, rule five. So, so find a way through the system. <laughs> now, for you, I'll give you a piece of practical advice, and you can use this if you like. Um, in a given month, uh, we might get 5,000 resumes. Okay, we don't read them all. In fact, we look for excuses to throw them away. Our system is ignore 99% of the stuff we see or 99% of the plights we get because we don't have time. It's not that we don't like you. It's just that we're busy. So how many of those resumes come back four or five times? Very few. One in a 1,000 people mails in a resume four times in a row. But let me ask you this. How would you actually get your resume to be read if you really wanted someone to pay attention to you? Well, I'll give you a secret. It's very easy. Take your resume, wrap it around a bottle of champagne. <laughs> Send it to me. Now, this may... Yeah. Now, this may sound kind of goofy, right? But there's actually a, a, bit of, uh, a bit of logic behind this. A bottle of champagne actually doesn't file. I can't put it in a filing cabinet. It, and, and if I turn it sideways, it rolls off my desk. So I have to put it upright on my desk. And, and what happens is it's like, uh, it's, it's like a coconut. A coconut is nature's way of moving a tree around because, you know, people pick up the coconut and carry it up the hill and then replant it. 
with a, with a bottle of champagne, somebody comes in my office, picks it up and says, well, where'd that come from? And I say, some crazy person sent me their resume on it. And they say, well, who's that? And they pick it up and they read it. And then they got to go next door and show it to their friend. And then that person's got to show it to another person. And so the, the champagne moves the resume around. And no one in their right mind can bring themselves to throw away a bottle of champagne. It hurt. Even if you don't drink, you can't throw it away. Right? So it's a simple thing, right? So just wrap it around a bottle of champagne or something else. Uh, and that's the way to deliver your message. Uh, rule four, judgment, focus, execution, in that order. A lot of times people new in the business world, what they do is they run around, work really hard, code, 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 create software, and then they, uh, and then they get kind of confused. Focus, focus, focus. What was I coding? Something or other. And, uh, and, uh, and then they stop and they judge six months later. Did anybody need that stuff I created? Okay, wrong thing to do, right? Stop and think. Make sure what you're doing is necessary. Then focus, then execute. You'll find you go 10 times faster, 100 times faster. Three, there are many paths to happiness, but few maps. What do I mean by that? I don't, uh, what I mean is that anybody that comes to you and says, this is the way for you to be happy in your life, doesn't really know, including me. Sort of an oxymoron. I'm kind of confused there. But... Uh, I'm supposed to give you a path to happiness. Here's the thing. Um, you can get there a lot of ways. I thought I was going to be a rocket scientist at one point. I thought I was going to be an astronaut. I was going to be in the Air Force. I was a commissioned officer. I thought I was going to uh, be a, uh, a political scientist and a professor. And, uh, and then I thought I was going to be a consultant. And then I ended up a software guy. And uh, I'm not unhappy with how it turned out. But if, uh, if you'd given me a chance to chart my life at age 18, I think I wouldn't be nearly so happy, right? So, uh, so what you have to do is, is keep your options open and keep your eyes open. Uh, there are lots of ways to get there, and, uh, and don't be afraid to follow a different way. Two, fate has a hand, so be prepared. Um, uh, my senior year, I actually, uh, four weeks before I graduated, thought that I was going to fly jets in the Air Force. And that meant 11 years I was going to be in the military. I'd studied aeronautical engineering. I'd been an ROTC cadet. I was about to be commissioned. I'd, my life planned out completely. Uh, and, uh, and in my final flight physical, I was diagnosed with a benign heart murmur. I was disqualified from combat aircraft duty. And my entire next 11 years shifted into a great unknown. I had no clue where I was going to go. At that point, I had a flashback to my freshman year when one of my upperclassmen told me, uh, don't worry about studying anything else. You're going to be a pilot. You could get a degree in basket weaving. It doesn't matter. And I had, uh, I had thankfully ignored their advice, and I'd studied history. It turns out that history made me interested in computer simulation. I took a class in the Sloan School of Management. I wrote a thesis, and, uh, and it was my thesis advisor in the business school that got me my first job, which eventually led to uh, this corporation that I now run. Um, fate. Fate has a hand. It'll move you around. Uh, the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. Right? The only real advice I can give you there is just make sure you're prepared for any of a dozen different alternatives. Uh, have two, three, four backup plans. Learn to garden. If, if everything else falls through, you can be a gardener. It's not a bad life. It'd be very, very nice. Um, <laughs> lots of other things you can fall back on. I have 49 seconds, and I have one rule left. Uh, life is finite. Don't waste time on pursuits without passion. Don't waste a second. Um, I know a lot of people, this is, again, a joke. I know people that work for 40 years in a job they don't want to do because they thought they had to do it because they thought they could never do what they did want to do. 
Um, I, I met my brother five years ago. He's living in the basement of our house in Ohio, and he's saying, I really want to be in television. I said, you're not going to be discovered in Ohio. Get in your car, drive to L.A. Here's a credit card, right? And work for free until you find a job there, because that's where the jobs are. He got in his car. By the time he got to L.A., a new TV show had uh, started up. He walked into that TV show three months later, not even aware it was available, and they hired him to be a producer, and he's been a TV producer for the past five years. And again, completely because he did what he wanted to do. And when I think about that story and a, and a, a thousand like it, I'm struck by the thought that it would, be, it would be a horrible tragedy if he'd stayed in that basement. And yet, that's what nine out of ten people would do. I, and I would tell you, as, as you study the lives of people that got what they wanted, uh, they got it because they didn't follow convention. They didn't do something because they were told they had to do it. They picked the thing that they were most passionate about and they loved most in their entire life. Because if you do something you love, you'll do it well, and you'll be thinking about it all the time, and you'll fully achieve your potential. And the world doesn't need another mediocre software engineer or another mediocre mathematician. What the world needs is one really, really excellent specimen of everything. So try to figure out what you can do in an excellent fashion. Do that thing, and then have faith that our economy is going to find a way to subsidize that and pay you a, a, a due wage and, and treat you equitably. And if you look around, I think you'll find that uh, that's definitely the path best traveled. And, uh, and that's my 10 uh, lessons. So thanks for your time, and uh, I'm done.